Grassroots is brought to you by WorkIt, meeting the needs of entrepreneurs in Stillwater since 2017. Welcome to Grassroots, a podcast series for growing civic engagement through conversation. I'm Chris Peters. And I'm Michelle Charles, and we're your hosts for this series. So for the races we're talking about in this series, election day is February 8th. Early voting will begin February 3rd. On this ballot, voters in Stillwater are going to be asked to choose the next mayor and to decide a couple of propositions, one that would increase a dedicated sales tax for transportation and one that would increase the city's visitor tax. Welcome to Grassroots, a podcast for growing civic engagement through conversation. My name is Chris Peters. And I'm Michelle Charles. And we are your hosts for today. And today we have some special guests. We have Christy Morrison and Chris Norris, uh, both with uh, Visit Stillwater. And we are going to talk about the upcoming visitor tax proposal. Yes, yes. It's it's something that uh, is generating a lot of conversation around town. We've got an election coming up February 8th. And Chris and Christy are here to give us some more information about that. But first, let's have them introduce themselves. Christy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Yes, I'm Christy Morrison. I have been with Visit Stillwater for a little over 26 years now. And we have definitely seen a lot of changes over the years. And it's been fun to see the the progression. Love the visitor development side of economic development in Stillwater. Very cool. Yes, that is. Okay, so Chris, what about you? How are you involved in this? Well, I am the past owner of Chris's University Spirit from 1986 to 2016. I did serve on the Visit Stillwater board from 1996 to 2002. I served three years as a chairman, and then I came back on the board in 2015 and have spent the last two and a half years as the chairman of Visit Stillwater. So, Chris, I'm assuming that as the owner, uh, as the Chris in Chris's university spirit, that, um, I mean, this is obviously a store that, for anyone who doesn't know this, is uh, it sells a lot of OSU apparel, game day apparel, a big destination when people come to town to visit. So mm-hmm. I would think visitors had a huge impact on your business. Yes, they did. Uh, when I first knew about Visit Stillwater was one crazy days in 1995 or 96 that a huge influx of of students high school students came by on the first day of crazy days and it was a a significant increase than what i'd ever seen and i kind of dug through it and got to know christy and i figured out that it was a group that visit stillwater had brought in in july of Mm. that year and the dates just coincided and our crazy days were significantly different after that. And interestingly enough, the one year the dates didn't coincide, that a group that she had brought in was one of the worst crazy days I'd had. Oh, wow. And they came in because of grants given through Visit Stillwater. Oh, okay. Christy, do you remember these groups? Why, I do. Why they were visiting? Yeah, uh, they're agriculture groups, kids that came in for different training showmanship, learning how to um, 
public speaking, all kinds of, they're agriculture groups that were high school students and uh, brings in about 3,000 people per day. Are we talking about Big Three? Yeah, it's correct. All right. And, and that's one of the ones that we're talking yeah, about for is. sure. And this is happens at the Payne County Expo building? It, it happens on campus, actually. On campus, mm-hmm. okay. It's a it's a great event, been going on for a long time. It has evolved over the years, and it worked out great when we were able to merge them together at the same time as actually Crazy Days and Joe's anniversary, mm-hmm. so that why would we not want those all to kind of happen coincidingly so that when parents drop their kids off on campus... They have a day to fill. So they can take brother, sister, whoever out and about in campus and do their back to school shopping. So it's worked out really well. Yeah. Uh, yeah the Joe's reject sale was always a really popular <laughs> That's destination for those kids. That yeah. is so true. But I mean, Big Three, it's actually named for the Big Three areas of livestock it's uh, swine, beef, and uh, goats and sheep. All right. Big Three sort of species or groups. That is correct. Yeah. So that, that influx there on what. What was making that crazy days kind of, you said it just kind of came off your worst crazy days. Well, it was, it was just the magnitude of how many came. Okay. And we're talking about 16, 17 year olds, mm-hmm. not my normal crazy day customer that usually was uh, older than that. Uh, that was the first time I'd seen the influx of that, of that age. Mm-hmm. And it was a magnitude of these people. It was it, like say 3000. It was it was almost overwhelming, how many came. Okay, cha-ching. Yeah, yeah. I I, I guess I I didn't originally think like yeah, of course a high school student's probably going to have like uh, ten or twenty bucks in their pocket to be like oh I need to grab a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So I mean, part of what makes all that possible or helps you to give grants and to you know do the marketing that encourages groups to come here is the. Um, the visitor tax that the city has been collecting for a while. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the history of that tax and how we started to collect it? Sure. I uh, I even researched at the Stillwater Public Library microfilm oh, back wow. in 1985 and read news press stories about it. So it's fascinating. There was a, co- a committee put together by the chamber and the city. And uh, interestingly enough, Ival Gregory, who currently sits on our board, was was chairman of that committee who mm-hmm. passed the original hotel tax. The The uh, intent of passing that tax was to fund the uh, operation of a destination marketing organization. Of course, that term didn't exist back then, but the whole purpose was to start a convention and visitor bureau or a destination marketing organization to market and promote events. At that time, it was primarily because of we had just recently um, become the host of the Special Olympic Summer Games. And I don't okay. know, Michelle or Chris, if you remember the Taylorsville County Fair. I remember Taylorsville. So it was primarily, that's those were two major events. And, they, and everybody noticed a big influx of visitor dollars. It was making an impact. If we have an organization that would bring in more events like that, then that's that's why the that's why we were created back in uh, so it passed in 1985 at 4% and it has been at 4% for the past 36 and a half years. So can I ask a quick question? Sure. So back in 1985 was this a relatively new concept? Was this something cities were just starting to do? It's it wasn't new for nationwide. It was definitely new for Oklahoma. We are one of the first DMOs in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, it started much earlier than that, and it actually started in Detroit, Michigan. 
And that's where the whole concept started. And really, hoteliers started it. Uh, nobody comes to a community because we have a great Holiday Inn or mm-hmm. or whatever. They come because of events, businesses, museums, attractions, things that are going on. So they said, well, if we could have an organization that will promote these types of things in our community, they will then fill up our properties. So they realized that by collecting this tax from the visitors, they had a professional sales and marketing team to promote stays in there in their different properties that the uh, history is pretty cool okay very good so what has it been used for over the years just absolute non-stop recruitment to get people to come to stillwater we give grants where our budget is roughly 50 to 60 thousand a year and the staff that visit stillwater recruits people to come here and they come primarily uh, to the Expo Center. And that's Right now, that is the place that we can have these kind of events. Is it because of the size? Absolutely. <clears throat> okay. And with the Convention Center coming on board, that's going to be a huge impact to this city on what we're able to, to recruit. And we'll get into the, the probably the weeds on this, but yeah. our... our uh, our conservative guesstimates are that we will be able to raise those grants from fifty thousand a year to two hundred thousand a year. Oh wow, that's a huge increase, and that's that conservative. Wow. Okay. So, in addition to the grants, there are other types of support your office offers to groups. I I know I've heard you talking about this before, whether it's you know arranging for hotel blocks or you know, different types of marketing, reaching out to different people. What are some other things that that people may not realize go into enticing a group to coming here? Like Chris said, the grants are, are outstanding. We're like any other form of economic development, and these are visitor development incentive grants. What's great about, and I know that I'm biased, but what's really cool about ours are that typically a lot less money in a grant for a lot quicker return, and you see that the results much faster. We actually, Michelle, have two pages of sales and services services that we provide and marketing services that we provide groups. So what you're saying on the, the sales side, we do um, hotel room blocks. We will help you find catering, AV, uh, plants to rent, plants to buy, decorating services, somebody in town that will do balloon arches, anything that makes your event successful. Now, after we've planned the logistics of the event on the marketing side, we can help hook them up with the newspaper to write an article, let people know what's occurring, or post-event, how it occurred and how successful it was. Local radio, local TV, we can uh, provide visitor guides, visitor bags, information to hand out at, at registration. We can set up a booth at registration to help people know what to do in their free time. So, there really, there's no limit to the amount of services that we'll provide to make sure that an event occurs in our community. Because of getting the events here, one thing, keeping it here is a whole other thing. And the way you keep it is to make sure that they had a great experience and it was super successful while it was here. So something that jumped out at me in what you said is that you said, as in other types of economic development, people may not think of visitor recruitment as a form of economic development. Let's talk about that a little bit. Oh, sure. We face that all the time. Um, people just don't see it as economic development. We in uh, the visitor development industry will often say it's the first date in economic development because it's a very rare occasion that somebody's going to move to a town, go to school in a town, move a business, expand a business, 
in a community that they haven't first visited. Mm -hmm. So every form of economic development starts with that visit. And uh, what's great about it is it's a relatively inexpensive part of economic development that has a lot quicker, faster results. Because you're recruiting to people to come in next week if they're leisure travelers, but you're also recruiting to people two years from now if it's a conference or meeting that's on a rotating basis. And it's going to be in our part of the state in 2024. Well, we're already working toward that. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, and any potential or any visitor has a potential impact on our community by becoming a student, becoming a donor, a season ticket holder, a business owner, or wanting to move here because people love to move to communities that they first visited. We, we visit a community for the same reason that we like to live in one. Okay, so, so Chris, let's talk about this proposal. What exactly, do, or and Christy, both of you, uh, what exactly does the proposal do? How does it change what we're currently doing? Well, it brings us from 4% to 7 Okay. okay. So we're going to add $3 per $100 per hotel room. Those monies will then be divided in a 70-30 split between Visit Stillwater and the City of Stillwater. The City of Stillwater has a tourism committee that, as of this time, Councilor Zanotti chairs. We did meet one time. We met in February of 2020. Ha. Convenient, <laughs> huh? Yeah, and we have not met since. Yeah. But there are five other members of that committee, of which I am one, because of my position as the chair of, Vis of Visit Stillwater. And the chair of Visit Stillwater will always be on that committee. Who Got else it. is on it? Ross Martin uh, is our hotelier representative. Sally Turner from District Bicycles. Joe Weaver from Oklahoma State. Christine Waits, uh, just community volunteer. Okay. Yep, that's it. So, that's right. it. It's a good group. But we we will be able to take these 30% funds, and this is the way this thing is written, so I want to be very clear with that, mm -hmm. that it goes to this tourism committee. So, that, uh, yeah, you mean the tourism committee when you say we? Yes. Okay. And it goes to that tourism, those thir that 30%, mm -hmm. which we think conservatively will be around three hundred fifty to 400000 per year. Okay. Okay. The tourism committee will then give recommend recommendations to CEDA on how to use those monies. Mm -hmm. And for folks that may not know, CETA is also city the, councilors. Yes, it's, right. a, it's also the city councilors acting as the trustees of the Stillwater Economic Development Authority. There we go. There but you go. I want to be very clear. Those monies go towards tourism. Mm -hmm. They go towards nothing but tourism. Okay. Now, that's a broad thing. We're not going to fill okay. any potholes with this money? <laughs> no potholes. Oh, okay. You've got another election for that one. However, uh, it's a good point because the more visitors we bring to town who also spend money in the form of sales tax, the more visitors, the more sales tax, the faster those streets and roads get fixed. There you go. That's a good point. So what about the 70% that goes to visit Stillwater? What are you guys going to do with that? Well, we're, we really are the marketing arm for every all 18 of our hotels in Stillwater. No one has to go hire a marketing arm. They have visit Stillwater to do that. We have a staff of three. We need to increase that. Mm -hmm. We need to work on that, uh, the convention center. That's going to be a game changer. And we have to go recruit personally to get people 
to come to that convention center. You're There's not like going to do that on an email. Convention center website to go just list well, your, like an Airbnb well. for a convention center? <laughs> no, but no. that'd be fun. But, <laughs> but it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. And, it, and it's going to take travel to do that. Because we're not going, we're going to be hitting metropolises to try to pull some of these things. This isn't something that's minor that you're going to pull from Idabel. I can say that because I'm from Idabel. It's so, relationship uh, building for sure. But yeah. it's a relationship okay. building process. Yeah. Okay, so Christy, you've talked about the convention center opening up new markets for Stillwater. It's not just about, you know, because people were worried, frankly, that, you know, if a hotel already isn't full as much as they want to be full or all the time, and you bring another big hotel and a convention center in there, would it cause a problem? However, your argument is that having this new facility to offer opens us up to all new mar- to new markets, which ultimately could benefit everyone. Oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, we just in December held our quarterly hotel luncheon and every hotelier in the room is super excited about the convention center, even realizing to have a successful convention center, there's an attached or adjacent hotel. But they realize that the convention center is going to hold a thousand people. The hotel is going to have up to 120 rooms. Oh, wow. And so they're going to overflow and they are definitely going to benefit from that. And another change over the last 26 years is when we would do hotel room blocks, people would stay in that block. But now as we travel, your hotel reward points are in your personal name. And so although the hotel of the convention center may be one brand, if you're collecting Marriott points or Hilton points or whatever, you, as a consumer, are going to stay in that property to build your reward points the and drive the two miles. Correct. <laughs> absolutely. It's absolutely right. But that's the way the world works now. And so yeah. that's that has made it a little bit more challenging for people in my situation or my position because you can't really track unless an event coordinator itself tells you, he or she tell you how many people attended the event. You can't tell from hotel room blocks anymore because they're staying all over town and the online tra- I mean this is a long conversation maybe we should yeah. do it sometime it's fascinating but the online travel agencies you know they manage a lot of the hotel rooms people outside of Oklahoma are managing hotel room blocks for Stillwater Oklahoma yeah and so it's 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 a very interesting uh, concept things have changed so much it's well, Airbnbs absolutely you know yeah. I, I now live next to one absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah I mean that's just it is the way it is but you know as far as the convention center goes we have not really been able to go real hard after the meetings and conventions market because we ha- don't have it's 100 percent facilities driven we have career tech in Stillwater Oklahoma the only state agency not located in Oklahoma City they plan over 200 events a year and they can't even host them and they're where they're located. It will be quicker, easier, faster, cheaper for them to host events in Stillwater sure. than outside of Stillwater. And so they are so excited. Now, some of them are still would be way too large for Stillwater, but they could bring in over half of those events to our community. That's already 150 events that we aren't currently hosting just from oh, wow. that one entity. And that's not even including on campus. All those folks, faculty, staff, they have their professional organizations, conference organizations, student organizations, clubs, sports, clubs, all these yeah. different things. I mean, it's it's super exciting because people want to meet in a college town. They want to relive those college years and that atmosphere. Yeah. What, gotcha. So what about the, the comeback? One of the things is like, what about like campus? What about West Watkins Center? Don't we have all these things? And I think that's where people maybe get confused that we is not like we like sure. th- there's still two different entities it's not like 
you guys get to say, hey, uh, we're going to go put an event on in Boom Pickens Stadium. <laughs> it's empty most of the time, right? <laughs> well, we don't you own mean they that. don't get to yeah, do that? Exactly. <laughs> and there's no parking. At Boone Pickens, there is. Yeah. But the, the, the problem is the parking at Oklahoma okay. State. Yeah. Number one, Oklahoma State's a university, not a convention center. Not in space. <laughs> they would use this, I think, extensively to have groups. We have, a, you know, it's going to have a parking garage on it. Mm-hmm. So it holds many more cars than it does guests that are staying the night. And, which is coming from retail. I understand how important parking is. Yeah. And you can't park at Oklahoma State. I mean, Everybody yeah, in the room's you, going, we're yeah. nodding emphatically. It's not, it's just, you <laughs> just not nodding. It's not supposed to be that It's way. not supposed to, you know. Yeah. So uh, we're going to fill a huge need that's been, that's been needed here for years. I talked in 1996 at the chamber in a meeting with a convention center guy. I mean, it's been going on that long yeah. when I was on Visit Stillwater's board the first time. I think I remember watching uh, on YouTube, going back on the city's uh, YouTube page of, I think, Dan Galloway. And it was when there was a a, a hole drawing and pitch for a, a hotel convention center right there where Block 34 is. On Block is, 34, back in 2012. So I know this, is, this has been a thing that's just like... Yeah, it started before it, him. Way before, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's it's been definitely a thing. Okay, right. but it's it's happening. So okay. this this might be a good transition into our uh, top five. I think our editor Bo Simmons might have given you like a five minute <laughs> heads up on this. But what are the activities? Because part of this, and and I know you guys are definitely focused on, you know, with this new tax, what you're going to be able to do with the 70% and the 30% is really, you know, you're on, you're on that group. And there's been talks of, you know, uh, using that money to improve our public sports facilities so we can attract tournaments and, and all that stuff. But what do you guys hear as like the top things that people are just like, if only Stillwater had this and it, it can't be a, a restaurant right now because that's that's like default. That's an easy. That's somebody could pick some restaurant. And be like I wish I had this restaurant, but besides food, mm-hmm. he's trying to make it challenging. Yeah. Well, food is one that we hear a lot, and specific restaurants at that. So I mean, but we all hear that, right? Um, I I <laughs> sports is the number one. I will tell okay. you that it is by far the number one because. Not only are we losing out because of all these local dollars that are leaving our community every weekend, but we're losing the opportunity to bring those new dollars into our community every every weekend. So we're almost double missing out on those those dollars from sports and adult leagues. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's not just youth sports, and I think sometimes we just think that, but there's a lot of adult leagues we would love to have in Stillwater. In fact, we've been kind of courting this uh, women's softball league. But the fields we currently have aren't long enough. Oh, interesting. It would just yeah. take a little bit of money to extend those fields. In fact, when I was watching the Women's World Series last year, it seemed like there was almost a temporary wall and a permanent wall. And I'm thinking to myself, huh. why couldn't we do that in Stillwater? Oh, like and, an adjustable. And Correct. Yeah. And then, I mean, it would just, just take a little hard. bit of innovation and to bring those in. So. Yes, absolutely, facilities. One that we do hear a lot, and I only am thinking of this because Bo did give me a heads up. Bo Simmons, your editor, if he says to me one more time, and I agree with him, though, (laughs) if we had a haunted house 
the whole month of October. Oh, yeah. It would be so successful because of the number of phone calls we get, the people in Stillwater who leave Stillwater every October to go to all of the haunted houses across the state and Mm -hmm. adjoining states. Yep. I think a haunted house would be super successful. A drive-through Christmas lights. Um, I think we do a great job with Christmas lights. A lot of people ask about staying in the car and doing the drive-through light displays. We get that. We still get Children's Museum. And, of course, that almost makes my head explode because, you know. We had one. We did have one. (laughs) And my first response to people who bring that up is, how many times did you go to the Wonditorium? So, but that is still a thing we get questioned about a lot and you know that's really not coming from residents it's coming from visitors who don't know our history gotcha yeah Yeah. so those those are the kind of things if you want to ask me um i would (laughs) i pulled out a notebook looking up something for chris the other day and i pulled up board minutes from 20 i think 21 years ago when we talked about building just having a building to have uh, a red dirt music hall of fame so we've mm. been talking about that for over two decades. Yep. I would love to see a transportation museum because of what Guy Cooper and the Cooper family has in the form of motorcycles and bicycles and and Tommy Foreman with all of his he's motorcycles and tractors and just crazy cool stuff. I'd love to see that. I would love us to have a soundstage for all of the musicians in Stillwater that they could use to do their demos, to be able to get out there nationally um if we even built just a huge empty building and allowed the film and music industry to use it to be able to do and we have done that to an extent at the you know empty vacant vacant buildings yeah right well and there are communities that are actively building sound stages that's correct to attract film crews yeah. So there's a million things on okay. my wish list. Is there anything you're excited about with the potential of uh, uh, Block 34 and Kicker and possibly oh, gosh, have yes. concerts and stuff like that right in the middle of downtown? Oh, there's so many things in Stillwater right now with the uh, convention center, with downtown. And, you know, Steve Irby, I, I mean, he's he's one of the guys I met when I very first started out of college and has always been such the gentleman and so smart. But how smart is he to know that it takes capital projects to make something happen but it takes a long lasting commitment for the programming and the upkeep yeah and that's one thing we often forget but he he's smart man and he knows to be able to also finance the programming for the next 10 years i mean that's amazing yeah. that that has the potential to bring people in from out of town and even what's going on out at lakeview landing i mean mm-hmm. that's huge that those are things that will be destinations that will bring people to our community yeah, it seems like Stillwater is getting ready to go through a new growth phase, but I would like to kind of think of it as like a health phase mm. where, you know, growth instead of just spreading out, it's more of like growing up and strengthening. And of course, a lot of the, you know, from downtown to the the core of Stillwater, you know, getting sure. new things that then, you know, help us eventually, you know, hopefully get the, the roads fixed and, and all that stuff that's all kind of crumbling around. I mean... <laughs> Uh, even though, but you, you know, know, that's nationwide prod. It is. That's not just Stillwater. That's everywhere. I mean, infrastructure is a huge challenge across the country. Every yeah. community is struggling with infrastructure issues. Whether you're talking about, you know, utilities, whether you're talking about road systems, bridges, whatever, it's just tough. It's tough to, you know, have enough money to to keep all that up. 
And again, that's why everybody is chasing those visitor dollars. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. is kind of the holy grail, isn't it? It's someone who comes to your town, spends some money, and then goes home. Without having to use too many services. And that's why they say it is your purest form of economic development because it doesn't take a lot of infrastructure. Because when you build infrastructure for tourism development, it at the same time will always be a quality life amenity for your residents. Because once again, people love to come to town for the same reason we like to live here. Okay. So I do have a question, just like dollars and cents. How much is the visitor tax? And I know that travel was weird, you know, with the pandemic, which, you know, you had a couple of really unusual years. But I mean, it, on, a, on a normal, I don't even know if we're in a new normal yet. <laughs> uh, on what used to be normal uh, kind of year, how much did the visitor tax generate? And how much do you project the new one will be? It sounds like from the numbers you were throwing out, Chris, that... You guys think this extra 3% could generate over a million dollars a year? Uh, around 1.2 to 1.3. Okay. Currently, we're at 800000 okay. roughly. And, and the way we arrived at this is we took this July through November's hotel tax, visitor tax, and then we took the five-year average, you got to follow me, from December through June. Okay. Including, including the pandemic year, by the way. A down year. Mm-hmm. Which I think is realistic because there's... There's still stuff going on. Yeah, there's there's nothing to say something, you know, might be disruptive again. And that's how we came up with the 1.3. Okay. Okay, so you so tried... So it's conservative. Christy and myself and an accountant sat down and worked through these numbers. These aren't pie in the sky. Didn't These cherry aren't, pick the good ones. No, we did not. <laughs> and we can prove this. Yeah. And uh, we had an accountant do it with us. We went over them and over them and over them. And they're right. Okay. They're spot on. I was in business for 30 years. I know how to budget. I know how to budget conservatively. And I know the perils of over budgeting. Mm. This is not that. This is an, a budget that's fair, and we honestly think it's going. That will be the low point. Will be the next fiscal year of this visitor tax, and it'll continue to increase from there. Mm-hmm. I can't oversell the amount of money that will go to that tourism committee. When you're talking three hundred fifty to four hundred thousand dollars per year, yeah, and you get three years of that. You're in a 1.2. Nothing says you have to spend it that year. Yeah. We, I think the general consensus is we want to let that build and make a splash and make an, a, a, a really necessary change. I'll okay. give you an idea. I was going to say, let's and, throw out a hypothetical. Yeah. And I want to go hypothetical okay. because I'm only one member. Yeah. Okay. Hypothetical. But let's go with Babcock Park. Okay. And that's currently... That's currently, it's currently where baseball the, fields, the baseball and, and soccer, and, right? And soccer. baseball, okay. soccer, and softball, and softball too. Okay, okay, I was gonna say. Okay, very limited parking. Dollars do a lot of things. Okay, you can increase your your field usage. You can increase your maintenance. You can follow me here. Soccer is a sport that is played fifty two weeks a year. There's no break. It's not like football. The only thing that stops a soccer match is lightning. And then they get in their car, then they come back out. Okay. 
if you have an artificial turf, hypothetical, you have an artificial turf soccer field, you're guaranteed you're playing. If your team is in Oklahoma City and they're looking at that weekend, there's two tournaments, one in Stillwater, one in Moore. The Moore field, by the way, is grass. The Stillwater field is turf. You're coming to Stillwater. Yeah. I've been through these wars with kids with softball and baseball, and you make decisions like that over the quality over, over quality of the playing field because gotcha. that's going to give ideally a better experience for the athletes themselves, Absolutely. and then hopefully the better well, experience for those watching the games to have a better exactly. performance. Well, and and uh, it seems like sometimes because soccer fields are so big and they take up a lot of space, and you know. I, I don't know. It seems like in a lot of communities, it's like if you've got a grassy area that's not really good for much else, maybe it floods when oh, it yeah. rains. Mm-hmm. You, uh-huh. set, I think you, you go, just let's descri- make soccer fields. You just right. described Babcock. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, think of what the parking you could add on to there with those fields. I mean, that's just a vision of one thing. Yeah. And this doesn't mean that's where it needs to go. Sure. But it needs to go somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, the low-hanging fruit is the athletic event. We've all traveled thousands of miles chasing these white baseballs and yellow softballs, okay? And a friend of mine went to Tulsa two weekends ago, had one child playing soccer, spent $794 on the weekend. That included hotel and food. And you can just extrapolate that out by hundreds when you have – people that come into town and by the way these baseball games and these softball games they're normally not back to back to back to back you have a break so then you come down and you go to campus corner or you go down to the strip or you go down to the joe's area or you go to a shopping center i mean i fit i have seen these things i've seen them happen i know how they work and i know why they work and that's why this is the right time for this this does not cost a citizen of Stillwater one penny. And I don't know of a better tax to have. Okay. It's the easiest sale I know to do, okay, mm-hmm. is, is, is one you don't have to pay for. And it does work. Well, and speaking of that, it, it seems like, you know, when you were talking about the level of tax, visitor tax collected, in other nearby communities, that mm-hmm. this would put us pretty much on par with them. I mean, I believe I heard that a lot of the surrounding communities, even if they're not already at or beyond this, are looking at doing the same thing, looking at raising it to the same level. I mean, can you guys talk about that a little bit? Did everybody yeah. just kind of like establish them and then just like sit there for a <laughs> long time or what happened? Well, most of them have been there over a decade. So, I mean, Chris knows the numbers. Um, Enid. Perry, Ponca City are all at 8% and been there a very, very long time. Sand Springs to the east is at 7%. On the April 5 ballot, uh, Guthrie is proposing increasing to 7%. And short, and I think I, you're going to see Edmond in Oklahoma City shortly thereafter, uh, just from conversations I've had with them. And, and that's because really statewide at Lawton they February of last year they increased to seven percent I mean you can go on and on all of that information is public and so I I'm constantly asking people how long have you been at that percent why did you increase what are the purposes of it and uh, I think if anything the pandemic did show the value and the immense amount of importance of visitor dollars to a community 
and nobody nobody goes and chooses where they're going to stay in a hotel based upon the tax, right? I've never heard that, and I've asked some hoteliers if they have been asked that question, and it is a resounding no. They get asked what their room rate is, mm-hmm. right? not how much their hotel tax is. I know when I'm booking a room, I mean, that's what I ask, and I assume I'm probably going to pay about 15% above that mm-hmm. by the time I pay, you know, hotel tax and sales tax and various other fees. Um, if you're on either coast, it's going to be 20% more. There you go. There you go. But <laughs> I think I, Houston, Texas is the highest in the country right now, at least last time I looked. Because they built a, in, a NFL football stadium on part of that as well. Oh, there you go. Yeah. But I mean, you know, really, if you're staying in a hotel, I mean, if you, if you make a, if you call a certain hotel and you say, what's your, what's your hotel tax? I mean, it's going to be the same throughout the state, you know, throughout the city. It might be even the same throughout the entire county, depending on where you are. So, I mean, and really, in order to get a different rate, you're going to have to go to a completely different community, which isn't where you want to be staying. I have noticed, too, that the the communities that get a lot of our overflow when all the hotels are booked up for OSU apparently are either raising their rates or already a little bit above what we've been because they've been benefiting from that. They have. Yeah, we we mainly um, Special Olympics and graduation and CAFRI and all the football games, um, mainly Guthrie and Perry, for sure. And uh, Shawnee. Yeah, some yeah he has friends that actually have stayed in Shawnee. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Hmm. We hear but some crazy stories. It wasn't because of the hotel tax. I wouldn't think it so. It was because of a room rate. Okay. Yeah. So there are different factors that come into play here. Well, really. and we're all human, and we all have different factors that influence us. Sure. Uh, and to be fair, but a visitor's tax, I, I think you've got to look real far and wide to find someone that that. Uh, effects on a hotel choice or on a or on a city choice that they choose sure i mean what frustrates me a lot more is the 25 dollar resort fee that oh, i pay I when i'm just spending the night <laughs> isn't that the truth <laughs> that and that's one for me, one night it makes me mad every time well you know uh, you're right though i mean it's true <laughs> well the thing i want to also uh, reiterate we have 18 hotels with the convention center we'll be at 19 we're going to treat all 19 equally they still all have the chance to bid for events. No one's excluded. There's no preferential treatment. And then we also, the Airbnbs, the 80 to 110, depending on what time of year and what's going on, they pay that uh, visitor tax also. Okay. So that's a level playing field, and that's something we've worked really hard on. Mm-hmm. And we heard our hoteliers, and, and it's not right that they had to pay that tax and the Airbnbs didn't. Yeah. And now they do. The mm-hmm. city passed that a couple of years ago. We have extremely good enforcement now with the Oklahoma Tax Commission collecting the visitor tax. Yeah. Right. So, so we're on the right path with this thing. Well, and I remember that discussion. And that was really a matter of fairness because in terms of being able to compete, if you would look at, a, you know, like one of the short-term rentals, no matter what platform they were using, And it looked like it was a little bit cheaper, but some of that was because they weren't having to collect those taxes and remit them. Mm -hmm. They were kind of flying under the radar for a while. Mm -hmm. And cities across the country got wise to that Mm -hmm. and started really addressing that. And luckily, a lot of the major platforms are working with people because rather than having, you know, um, rather than having action taken that would make people not able 
to offer that or would have made it too difficult for their businesses to keep going and to expand, they said, you know what, we are going to cooperate and we're going to collect and remit this tax to the proper authorities. So that really has been helping. I'm not sure. I probably need to look at that, see how much uh, that's generated just in terms of the um, the Airbnb and the other short-term rentals over the last few years. Well, if you're able to get those numbers extrapolated out of the total, <laughs> I'd be curious to know too, because I'm not able to get that. But I will tell you from a Visit Stillwater standpoint, it has been very helpful to us okay. to be able to market and promote those short-term rentals in our community, because there's so many times a year that we really need that help. And it wasn't really right of us to promote it in the past when they were in direct competition with those that are our funding source. And so mm-hmm. it has helped us out tremendously. So many of them are so thankful because now they do appear on our website and we do keep that updated as much as we hear about them. Yeah, there's a benefit to them. It, it, there too. is. There is. In fact, I will tell you, there's even a short-term rental, really nice cottages right outside the city limits. And she voluntarily remits to us what 4% of her total sales are so that she can can also take advantage of our marketing efforts. She oh, doesn't wow. have to do that, but she saw a value and she like clockwork every single well, month. It's kind of like, okay, this is where everybody else is. I yeah. kind of need to be there too. Yeah. She's a very smart businesswoman. Sure. Go. So what else do people need to know about this? What, what have we anything, not talked about anything yet? Anything we missed? Well, hmm. Chris was talking about how it's not a tax that is imposed upon residents for the most part unless you're like me and your air conditioner decides to go out in august you go stay in a hotel room (laughs) you're going to do that but it is a reciprocal tax you as a resident may not pay it in stillwater but you certainly pay it everywhere else you go and so i do think that's one reason that destination marketing organizations worldwide take so seriously making sure that those dollars are spent in the manner that was intended because we do feel like we are kind of overseeing those dollars that people in stillwater that are not in Stillwater have paid. So we want to make sure that those dollars do go to really enhancing the visitors, basically enhance the future experiences of other visitors. Well, you know, and I can kind of see this as, I mean, we talk about it as the, again, the holy grail of marketing, right? Where someone comes to your town, they pay some taxes, they spend their money, they go out and eat, they do whatever, and then they go home and they don't use your infrastructure. But having said that, they're also not helping to support your infrastructure and they are enjoying your infrastructure while they're there. So I do think that having some type of a visitor based tax, you know, helps to underwrite a lot of those things that you really need, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and that they are stressing because they're driving through for the weekend, if nothing else. Well, the number we came up with is, is fair. We did our research. We checked surrounding communities we we did what was we did not hurry this thing this has been something that i had a vision of a couple of years ago and we have methodically gone through it covid didn't help us but covid also let us see the benefit of what we were doing and you know covid uh brought a lot of things to to light and we have a great university to sell which a lot of our competitors don't have Oh yeah, right. Yeah, we got a we got a big advantage. <laughs> we got a huge advantage, mm-hmm. and now we have a, a convention center coming on. Another huge advantage. We have great people here. We have great mom and pops. We have, you know, just just the lines outside of of my store at times, my ex store. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, uh, you don't miss yeah, it. But no. Uh, I miss I, I miss game days and I miss bid day. 
Those okay. were my, those are I loved bid day because I loved seeing the the happiness of of those young ladies. Uh, the line in Hideaway would stretch in front of my store. Okay, and instead of complaining, I was like, "That's a good thing because oh, yeah. that tells me how many people are here." Mm-hmm. And I could judge literally sometimes what kind of day I was going to have by that. Take the deal that the big three. When I see a line lined up in front of Hideaway to get in and it stretches to my ex store. <laughs> and you think about this, 3,000 3, young young teenagers that we possibly gave, probably gave a $2,000 grant to, it's 66 cents a kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Well, that's the math. Yeah. Okay. For 3,000 kids. Wow. $2,000, 66 cents. Sure to spend hundreds of dollars and and believe me they're on foot so they walk to my place they go walking north they go to joe's or they go to garage i mean just go down the list just Uh, anywhere in that area this stuff's simple this is really simple Uh and it's really easy and the easy thing is it costs you nothing if you live in stillwater and that's what works zero with this convention center going kind of right by Joe's in that area, it's already a heavily pedestrian area. And so you're densifying the economic impact right there rather than, you know, I'm sure maybe somebody wanted to sell some land to put a convention center on the outside of town, but now you're never going to have those kids come walk there. You're going to like, all right, we got to load them all up into multiple buses just to go out to to this, uh, to get into town or something like that. So it makes sense to have it, so centrally located. Well, and I'll give you another uh, example. You know, college enrollment's down nationwide, 8%. Mm-hmm. If you can keep bringing people here and keep having these big three events, things along that line, those things extrapolate out and they extrapolate out and they extrapolate out to undergrads, to alums, to donors. Mm-hmm. And Sure. I mean, in and, and colleges, again, it's an 8% drop. Mm-hmm. And and we have an unbelievable opportunity to help head that off by the number of people we can get in here. And Good I've point. spoken to people at OSU about that. And those types of events where they're bringing high school kids in, those are major recruiting efforts. I yeah. mean, even if they're not explicitly doing it, bringing them in, you know, they've already got the T-shirt, right? <laughs> they came right. and bought it at your ex store. You but know? those quality exactly. of life. Ex store. <laughs> those ex-store. amenities. So, uh I remember, I think it was when the new the, the new athletic director kind of thought of this as, as how, you know, they have to look at the rest of the community even when they're recruiting college athletes. It's not just like, okay, you know, great, we've got great sports facilities, you've got awesome locker rooms and workout rooms for all of you, but these kids also want, like, I also want an awesome community with things to do uh, and it's, you know, Stillwater has an impact on whether they choose OSU. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, well, that's, that's, that's why Chad's on our board, because he sees the correlation. It's mm-hmm. it's interesting. I was going to go there. Our board has, and th- throw out names, uh, and I know who And you're talking the are. Visit Stillwater board. I'm talking about board. the Visit Stillwater okay. board. But Chad Weiberg and Blair Atkinson came on together a couple of years ago. And when they got their recent promotions, Chad to the athletic director and Blair to the head of the foundation, I told Christy, I said, we're going to have to be looking for two new people. Well, they didn't want to leave. 
with their schedules and what they're doing. Yeah. For them not to want to, and it's an easy out, man. It was an easy <laughs> out with, hey, I'm having to deal with conference realignment. Are you yeah. kidding right. me? No yeah. one would have blamed him. Yes, that's yeah. right. And, and uh, you know, he and I had a conversation. He goes, well, there's no way that I'm leaving that board. So, uh, and, and it's an outstanding board. We've got really good members. But just those two highlighted had every reason to go to, to spend more hours doing what they are being paid to do yeah. versus volunteering to do. For sure. And we've got a great board. We're doing the right things. We're doing them in the right time. And the, the right times. There is not a better time than than right now, than February 8th. And February 8th is a game changer, I promise you. Uh, and it's an easy vote when you don't have to pay for it. All right, folks. Well, I think that about said it all. Yeah. Well I, done. <laughs> I think they these two would uh, encourage you to vote yes on that. I would, uh, I would say they would, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Please vote yes, February 8th, 7 to 7 at your polling place. <laughs> this oh, is very good. audio only, but Christy's got a vote yes sticker on <laughs> next to her name tag and all that stuff. So thank you guys for coming on. And yeah, thank you thank for you. explaining this. Uh, I think it was fascinating to kind of hear, especially about that 30%. I think that was more at least that I wanted to know about. Um, and uh, all right. Well, thanks yeah. for your time. Maybe thanks we'll have you, us. maybe Appreciate we'll it. have you back after uh, it, it passes. Oh, that'd and be great. Try to nail you down on some more things. Maybe yeah. like a February 15th, <laughs> you know, a week after. And we'll oh, that's see, Valentine's we'll weekend. That's gonna you be think you need one. some time to recover after the election? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Never done anything like this. So, uh, but you know, we're all volunteers. I mean, I believe in it enough, and I saw it in action. And uh, I'm passionate about this, and this this is the right thing. All right. All right. Well, this has been grassroots, and thank you. Thanks again to Work It for sponsoring this series. For more information about Studio Stillwater and how you can help support our mission as a listener or sponsor, go to studiostillwater.net. There you can sign up for emails, get a free sticker, or send us a message. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.